Hello, it's Mike Richards here from the Treasury Recruitment Company. I hope you're enjoying the Treasury Career Corner. If you are, great news. Perhaps you give us a rating on iTunes or wherever you consume your podcast content. This means that even more Treasury professionals can benefit from finding out or by finding out about how Treasurers have achieved their career goals. The link to rate our show will list at the bottom of our show notes. And please remember as well, the show itself is as much about you as it is about us. If there are specific questions you want us to ask or there's feedback you want to give, please drop me an email. My direct email is mike at treasuryrecruitment.com, inventably enough. But anyway, that's enough from me. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to this week's Treasury Career Corner podcast, where I interview treasury professionals about their treasury careers. Each week, I talk to treasurers about how they built their careers, where they are now, and where they see both themselves and the treasury profession going to next. In this week's show, delighted to be joined by Julien Mouet, the now head of corporate treasury at TUV Rhineland Group. Now, TUV Rhineland, for those people that don't know it, I didn't know it myself until I did my research, is a world-leading independent testing service company with been going for over 145 years, employing over 20,000 people around the world. Yeah, pretty big company, generates an annual turnover of almost 2 billion euros. Now, I know that Julian's recently come in as the group treasurer there just a few months ago, so... What I'll do is get Julian to talk through his background. He'll perhaps give a bit more explanation of what TUV are about and everything else. Now, I was going to say to, again, Julian, tell us about your career today and how you got started. I actually had played a part in this because I uh, originally moved Julian from DHL and Deutsche Post to uh, a company, a known company called Johnson Controls. And we interviewed Mark van der Benpeek in one of our previous episode so if people are interested in that you can hear a bit more about Johnson Controls and everything else and we'll put some links in there but as I say every week there's enough about me enough of my wittering on let's um, get into talking to Julian so Julian talk me through if you would your career today how you got your start in treasury and you know maybe from university dates up to now and let's talk about the future of treasury if we would so over to you where, where did you first start sort of thing Sure, Mike. First of all, thank you for uh, inviting me to the podcast. So it's, uh, it's a real pleasure to participate to the podcast. I know that's something that you, you have introduced, I think, a couple of years ago. I'm, I'm pleased to uh, provide my, my input. I mean, you and me, we, we know each other since, I think, 2003, as you just yeah, mentioned. So I think we have a, a long-standing relationship. I mean, you're an important partner to me uh, in my professional career. Here again, it's a pleasure to, uh, to participate to your pod- podcast. So, yeah, I mean, coming back to me... Um, yeah. I'm 42 years old, two children, living in Cologne. I started actually my career in treasury, but before that, I mean, obviously I was studying. I had, as a, as a young uh, man, basically, I had a couple of interests in life. One of them was music, and the other one was always interesting about everything which was uh, happening around me. I was reading a lot of newspaper. So, so I, that was actually, or that were my two uh, main interests in life. I, to be honest, after my A level, I try, really tried to, uh, to become a professional in music. So playing the piano. And what I, instrument? I, so you were, so you're a piano player, were you? I'm a piano player and uh, I also play the flute. Oh wow! And and after the A level, I, I told myself, hey, that's a great hobby. Let's try to make it my job to do my yeah. job. So I, I I really tried to or I dedicate one year after the A level preparing myself to uh, to enter into a high school of music in Germany. Mm-hmm. And and actually I've, actually it didn't work out. So uh, at the end of this one year, I said, okay, what should I do? 
should I try another year with, with the risk of, of failing again? Or uh, should I be more conservative and <laughs> pragmatic and, and work out to my second interest, second passion, which is basically what's happening around me, economics, newspaper. So, so I was basically, okay, let's, let's start studying economics. I started studying economics in France, where I did basically my bachelor. And after my bachelor, I, I decided basically to uh, to start working. I was, as a young man, also very keen to become independent. I wanted, I wanted to, to earn my own money. So I decided to join the job market at the at early stage, just after the bachelor. Then I started looking for a job. And to be honest, it was really coincidence. I mean, there was a job opening for Sanofi Aventis. That's a pharmaceutical company. They were looking for a treasury guy. And then I would say, okay, I mean, treasury, why not? I mean, I, I've, I've never studied anything in, in treasury in the university. Treasury was not part of what, what I've done in university. So it's really a coincidence. And I say, okay, let's, let's try it. Let's try it out. It sounds interesting. Sanofi Aventis is a, is a big, large company, international company. It's also, uh, it was at that time a merger from, from Ron Poulenc, a French company, and Hux, a German company. Also, from that perspective, fits fit out very much my profile. My my father's French, my mother is uh, is German. I say, why not? And, I, and that's how I started in Treasury, to be honest. So, so it was really a a, a coincidence. Happy accident. Um, <laughs> and an accident, pardon. And then basically, I'd, I I've never left Treasury since then. Oh. And that was in. Uh, I think in 2000, 2001. I started in, in Sanofi Aventis in a, I would say, typical cash management role, managing the daily liquidity of the, of the group and a bit managing the bank relationship on the day-to-day of the group. It was, it was pretty interest, interesting. It was my first experience. I stood there something like two and a half years before basically moving on. I think it was the right time to move on from a, from a content perspective. I've seen, uh, I, I work around the job and, and I was happy basically to, to take up the next opportunity, which was Deutsche Post in, uh, in Germany. I mean, in that move, I also moved from one country to the other one, basically from France to Germany. At that time, I met my wife, who is German. So, so I didn't move on a job, but also move my, my private and personal yeah. life. Exactly. So it was a big change. What was the shift or what did the shift feel like to you making a move from a French-based treasury to a German-based treasury? Did they approach treasury differently or was it exactly the same and just a different country? Or how, how did that affect you? And what was the difference from you know, Deutsche Post or Aventis to Deutsche Post? What was their approaches? I mean, Aventis and Deutsche Post are both national companies. Mm-hmm. So, so these are two multinational companies with a very strong, I would say, American culture for for both. Even so, Zanofi Aventis is a is a I would say French company, which is the result of a merger between a German and a French company. I mean, you 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 have been dealing. I have been dealing with a lot of international people, English speaking speaking people. So it was not necessarily a, a, a pure French uh, culture and a pure French atmosphere. So it mm. was at that time already international. So so was Deutsche Post at that time when, when I started. So to be honest, that was not a big culture shock or culture differences mm-hmm. within the company when moving from Sanofi Aventis Deutsche Post. So, well, talk us through the roles at Deutsche Post and your progression there because you did some, you sort of joined and then you progressed within the group before then eventually joining Johnson Controls and Camadian. But, you know, sort of, or talk us through the, the roles that you'd had and how you, because you sort of started as a contributor and then became, if you like, a manager. And I was actually recently 
we did our Treasury Career Corner live event in Luxembourg. And one of the guys afterwards, another Julian, actually, I'll, I'll mention him as well. He, he said to me, one of the key questions he wished he'd asked, which he should have done, was how do you make that move from or manage that move from being a contributor and running and doing your job? How do you successfully then become a manager? What did a number of the panel members? So it's a question I'm going to try and ask a little bit more on the podcast. And so I'll ask you as well. How did you make that transition as you progressed and things? Yeah, sure. I mean, so I really, as you just mentioned, I started as an analyst, as a contributor uh, at Deutsche Post uh, in 2004, and I and I was basically focusing on on uh, at that time cash flow forecasting and liquidity planning, more, more looking at at I would say the long term planning, whether the the, the short term cash management have been so done so far at uh, at, at Sanofi Aventis. So, so it was basically, uh, I would say, an extension uh, um, or further development of my skills in the area of liquidity and cash management. Company Deutsche Post at that time was very interesting because 2004, basically, when I joined, was just actually just after or the year after they acquired two big multinational companies, which was at that time DHL and, and Danzas. Deutsche Post AG at that time was a, a domestic company, obviously, uh, in, in the mail business. Uh-huh. So, so the, the challenge here was was integrating two multinational company into Deutsche Post AG, but at the same time, basically optimizing processes, i.e. setting up and putting new processes within Deutsche Post, because Deutsche Post was not an international company. Deutsche Post was not equipped at that time to, from a people and from process standpoint to integrate these two companies. So it was an integration initiative, but also a, a big optimization initiative at the same time. Uh, Deutsche Post at that time hired quite some people from the external market to make it happen. And I, went, I was one of them, basically. And, and that, that was very interesting because there was, I mean, 2004 and the following years were very interesting uh, years for me because I, I had the opportunity to set up an entirely new treasury department together with uh, Danny Robrecht, who was my basically my boss at that time, the group treasurer from DHL, and also initi- leading basic integration initiatives. So I've I've been learning a lot. I I did learn a lot during that that period. So Deutsche Post was was for my in my career key. Very rapidly, basically, I moved from a as you just mentioned from a contributor to a manager role, and basically leading what we call at that time operations and and controlling. So I was basically the guy that set up uh, guidelines for the for the for the group, and was also controlling that basically the group was acting these uh, these these guidelines. So there was a I would say governance function, a controlling function, a reporting function. I was also responsible for I would say uh, typically operations, I mean system processes within within corporate treasury. So with a direct interaction with with IT. So it was also very very interesting role. So it allows me. At that time, also to to further grow within within the treasury area from a, from a content perspective, from a management perspective. Sure, I mean it was a, my my first management experience yeah. at that time. I mean, Danny at that time just gave me the chance. Say, okay, you, you're a good guy. You you were performing. You dedicated. You care about what you're doing. I think you have the potential to move to a manager role. And and obviously, yes. I mean, the first the first months for years were were challenging uh, to me. What what allowed me to become a, a good manager also from uh, from that perspective? Obviously, was training. Okay, that's mm-hmm. of, I mean formal training. How to behave as a manager. What what is a manager? But also a lot of reflection and a lot of thoughts with myself. Okay, I mean, 
what, what, what does it mean being a manager? What is the difference between a, between a leader and a, and a manager? Actually, no, I, I rather want to be a leader than a manager, right? I mean, at the end, it doesn't matter whether you have direct reports, straight line reporting, what, what it means and what it matters is, is that you're capable through your leadership to attract people, to inspire people. So, so just little things like, don't speak about the I, you don't use the, the word I, but rather use the, the word we, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you, you're part of a team, right? And, and you, you're not, you're not succeeding in your career with, without a team. So, so, so the team is more important than actually the manager. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't see myself as, as a manager, but I, I see rather myself as a, as, as, a, as a leader, right? So, Julian, we've got people sitting at home now who have, they've just heard your part of the story where you said you were sort of questioning yourself, you're going home at night, you're going, oh, how do I lead these people rather than just manage them and things like that? What are the tips you would perhaps give them? They're, they're sitting there sort of going, oh, yeah, that resonates with me. I really understand that. But you as a leader versus a manager, what are the advice would you give them only needs to be a couple of pieces because we're going to then move on and as you then took on more senior leadership roles and things like that but what are the tips you would give to those guys yeah the the first tip i I would i would give to these guys is basically as a as a leader i mean you're not the only one that that knows everything and you're the one that basically instruct and dictate to you people what that what they have to do and you're not the one that alone tell you people where they have to go so, so you have to integrate your people into, uh, I would say, the decision-making process. So when you set the strategy for the group, you, you have to include your people in, in, in setting that. So that's the first, the first tip I would, I would give. The second one is basically within the group, you have to be capable to, uh, to set up and to allow a certain uh, or to define a certain number of rules, right? And to separate the right culture. And, and one of the key culture uh, you have to install within the group is an open communication. So you have to to allow an open communication between you and the people, but you also have to accept that you people have no communication to you. And that includes basically, I would say, a kind of 360 degree uh, feedback culture. So, so, so that that's very that's very important. And and the third tip I would here suggest to to the people. Uh, to the young people that uh, would like to become a manager or leader is basically you also have a, as a leader you need to be keep to to be inspiring you 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 have to be uh, to be to have the capacity uh, also to tell to your people when they've done good things that you just to reward them not not only go back to your people uh, when when things go wrong but you also go back to them when things go go well so so goosing as a motto would be uh, the, the, third, the third tip I would, I would oh, provide to, uh, yeah. to young people. So you did in total, what, six years at Deutsche Post DHL, and then you got this phone call from this random treasury recruiter out of the blue and said, hey, let's move you to Bushide. I think that's how you say it. So I approached you back in those days about a role at Johnson Controls. You weren't necessarily looking for a move, but what attracted you to Johnson Controls and how come you made a move and you know I know the reasons but let's let's tell the listeners a little bit about that if you would yeah it was to around 2009 I think right so mm-hmm. I was always something something like six years already with the company with Deutsche Post DHL I, I've gone through um, I mean a lot of inter- interesting position a lot of interesting project I felt very comfortable on all the areas concerning pure 
I would say, corporate treasury functions. That's a typical back, middle, and front office. But I, I was basically missing at that time, I would say, more the business support part, right? The treasury being in contact with, with the local finance director, with procurement, with sales, with the different, I would say, functions within the corporations uh, in, in order to support and advise them how to manage financial risk. So really, I mean, I would say the linked to the business that I was basically missing. I, w- I was more into, so far, uh, operating into, I would say, the technical corporate treasury functions. I, wa- I want to move aside yeah. and, and go to the business. So, so and that, that was basically the profile of the job at Johnson Control at that time that you, that you came up with, right, uh, mm-hmm. Mike, at that time? Mm. And I, that was a, a determining argument to me to take up this opportunity. At that time, OCM Deutsche Post, I mean, changed a bit, I would say, the culture. Uh, when I started 2003, four, I mean, Deutsche Post was operating a bit like a startup, a lot of changes, a lot of activity, a lot of projects, great hands-on mentality. Six, seven years later, Deutsche Post, I mean, all the structure, the processes, the system have been implemented. And then Deutsche Post was was more, I would say, in a, in a, in a stable environment and then operating like a, a huge multinational company 50 billion plus turnover where where from a sudden the decision making process were much longer than it was during the i would say the the, the ramp up and it, and the project phase so i was getting into more into a day to day kind of routine job and i i i felt it was time to uh, to take the new the new challenge Johnson controls obviously a great uh, multinational company american company and i think that, that that was at that time the right move to uh, pursue my career and you, your role itself, you weren't at the central treasury team that was based in Belgium. You were actually out in the business and working as a sort of central treasurer, if you like, senior manager, treasurer, where the businesses were coming to you, which was, so it was a bit of a, a different role to just sort of day-to-day corporate treasury and maybe operational treasury. This was operational. This was consultancy. This was advising the business. How did you... You made that transition, but why was that great to you? Because it was a great position at the time as well. Yeah, it was. It was. A, it was a great position, and it was the right fit at that time and the right next move. So, as you just mentioned, to you, yeah, I, I, I want to go out to the business. I want to to learn more and to to learn also outside the treasury area. So, so that that was my primary focus, and and obviously that was that was a different job, right? I mean, here you, you're consultant, so you, you you're not sitting in your ivory tower. But you're you on the field. You you you're speaking with the with the business people. So you have to to build up a, a, a great network. Obviously, that that's the, the the strength of your of your role, and and it's how you 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 are successful in your job is having a right and a big net network, understanding the business. I mean, again, I mean, you need to know. I mean, how we, at that time our uh, uh, car seat is is being is being uh, built right from the raw material to the finish a uh, good. So you have to do to to understand the business. You have to understand how our seat is engineered. You have to understand how procurement is is operating. I mean, what is the relationship we have our, with our customers? So so you, so you have to have a good understanding of of the business, and and that that was also something that was very also very interesting to me. I I mean I'm I'm a treasurer. I, mean, I believe I'm 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 a born treasurer. I'm certainly retired as a treasurer, but I'm also very curious and and I'm also very interesting into technical design, into production design. So it helped me to 
to, to get a better understanding of the business, but also realizing that if, as a treasurer, you can only do a good job if, if you do understand the business. I was going to say, how did you then, you know, because treasury a lot of the time can be operating a system where a lot of finance money is swept into treasury, treasury manages it and everything else. But you were very much, as you say, on the front line and things. But how did you convince the different business partners, the different parts of the subgroups and things like that, subsidiary groups, to actually pick up the phone and call you? How did you convince them that you were the person that could help them? What was the process you went through? Because there'll be, other, again, other listeners who are in a similar situation going, oh, yeah, I, I need to do that, and getting them on side. What, what was the process you went through there? Yeah, I mean, b- before, I mean, I mean, what, one of the mistakes you may, you, you may do is, may, is basically, hey, I, I'm a treasurer, and I have the mandate from the CFO to manage risk, to manage mm. cash. So, no, I mean, that, that doesn't help you, and it will not allow you to, uh, to go through and, and have a, a good collaboration and buy-in from the business. So, no, you have to go there on, on a consultancy, on collaboration basis, and you have to also to, to prove yourself, to prove yourself that you, that you are adding value, that you, through your support and consulting, can, uh, can minimize or impact on financial risk on their on on their on their EBIT and, and operating margin. So so you have to prove yourself that, that you're adding value to the organization and and actually you are. So 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 it's it's really a matter of, of doing a good job and and, and demonstrate it that, that you can help. That you're not only someone from from corporate they're just there to provide governance and request for reporting and for uh, and, and dictating basically the business what they have to do. You really have to to build up a strong collaborations with them. So that's that's one of the the key things I'm taking out of that experience. Mm. So get out of your corporate ivory tower and and go into the business and make sure you build up a good uh, uh, collaboration with with the business. You help those guys. And then you, so you started to 2010 and you made then the progression within that role and, and then through to the spin-off and it became Adiant and things. Perhaps just give us a quick run through because you went from senior manager, director of treasury at Johnson Controls, but then became the MEO treasurer. Give us a quick whistle stop tour of that, just a, you know, overview. Cause I wanted to sort of get into, you know, a bit more about your future, your, your current role and the future and things, but give us a quick, Talk through how it evolved over the, you know, what was nine nine very successful years. Yeah, it was. Yeah, starting as a manager, senior manager in a business advisory role. So I was advising basically the automotive uh, business unit of Johnson Controls within the region uh, EMEA. So, so again, very interesting. So I, w- I was basically the interface between the business and I would say corporate treasury, uh, supporting business, identifying their risk managing their risk, so in contact with, with, with a lot of departments, as I just mentioned, procurement, sales, engineering, tax, legal, and so on and so forth. So very interesting. So concurrency role. Then, obviously, I, I was very engaged, very interested. I grew up pretty, pretty rapidly in my, in my role. And then as things happening, right, when, when, you, when you care, when you commit it, when you deliver, I mean, just opportunity comes comes up, and I, I was basically I moved from a senior manager to a director in September 2013, and I and I get some some additional uh, responsibility from a sudden I was uh, also involved into asset management with a couple of pension funds in Europe, 
uh, advanced controls at that time. So, so I moved into in this area. So I got a direct report. So I, I had here again uh, some management and leadership role to play. So, so that was the I would say the uh, natural evolution within my my role. I, I didn't change a lot. I would mm. say my job profile. I just got some additional responsibilities, a new title. It was it was kind of rewarding my job and my my performance. Mm. Then then came. 2016, right? Which was a, a, an interesting year. Again, I mean, Johnson Controls uh, has been a, also a great experience to me. 2016, Johnson Controls decided to spin off its automotive business. So as you know, Johnson Controls was at that time a multi-industrial company operating in, into our cooling, eating system, uh, auto battery, but also car seatings. And so they stayed one of their car seating activities. And at that time, the corporate treasurer of John's Controls uh, and the assistant treasurer at that time called me and said, hey, would you be interested in taking over the, the role of, a, of treasurer EMEA for the new spin-off company, which is called Adian PLC? And I said, oh, great. I mean, great opportunity. And I, yeah. I, was, I was very keen in, in accepting that new role. And, and then from a sudden, starting July 2016, I, I was heading treasury in EMEA as an executive director. So again, great move, great opportunity that I actually immediately embraced at that time. Very interesting also because, I mean, it was a big spin-off. Basically, in terms of turnover, I mean, it was with less than half of the turnover of John's Couture at that time that had been spun off. So it was a, a big company that, that was basically, that has been created uh, through the NPSE. A, a big exercise how to, to see how processes, people, system basically have been had to be separated duplicated on one end side and on the other side you had to build up a, a, a new treasury team for uh, for the for the new co so interesting exercise to to do the spin-off be interesting to be part of a of a new company with a, a kind of a startup mentality so everybody everybody was very excited to to be on their own be capable to uh, to set up their their own project processes. So it was a very exciting atmosphere uh, in, in the months after, after the spin-off. And that was basically my last experience before joining uh, to Rheinland AG. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, motivation for me to, to move on from Adient dash Johnson Controls to, uh, to, to Rheinland was basically taking up the next step of my career. So oh. I was at Adient, basically the treasurer for, for EMEA. And basically, a, a, a different headhunter at that time was not you, uh, Mike. No, it's all right. Well, uh, I was disappointed. I would have expected you. You would call me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, someone else called me. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a German headhunter. Hey, I've got a good job for you. Group treasurer at to Freiland. and say, oh, why not? And I started a discussion like that. And actually. Uh, the job was very interesting. Location was great also because I'm based now in Cologne, which is the, the city I'm living in, and is now for me taking up the uh, taking up the next gear, which is basically uh, being the group treasurer of a multinational company. As you just mentioned at the beginning, I think one of the top ten testing and certification company worldwide. So it's a new a new chapter that just just started a couple of weeks a couple of months ago. And then with with the group itself, what what are the challenges for Treasury? Because we, when we spoke before, you said that you've been brought at a time when there there's a sort of cultural change within the corporate structure, and you're sort of changing, evolving the business sort of thing, and making yourself fit for the future. Talk us through that a little bit and the positive ethos of that that's bringing with it. 
Yeah, basically, CUV uh, right and started maybe three years ago or a transformation uh, exercise where it was all about centralizing functions, optimizing processes, moving functions into low-cost country. So it's all about becoming more efficient, uh, reducing cost, and increasing operating margin. So the group has, has started three years ago a couple of initiatives uh, and basically, I've been hired to, to bring the treasury function within TUV Rhineland into the next step where, where, where today treasury is managed pretty much decentrally, with the exception maybe towards cash and liquidity management. But it's basically setting up a new treasury role and setting up a treasury department comparable to, I would say, fi- Fortune 500 companies. Yeah. So, so that's where TUV Rhineland is now. What is what Tufrenen is heading to? Very exciting to me because I got also the chance to, to to set up the right treasury department with the right processes and with the right, the right systems. So I got a lot of freedom in my role and I'm looking forward to, uh, to this exciting time ahead of me. And with the looking to that future, where do you see sort of you talk about some of the systems coming through and that's being a big key feature of your experience, if you like. What do you want to do? Do you want to get everything into systems straight through processes? Do you see that as the future? Or, you know, I talk to people about automation and things, and, you know, the summary of a lot of that conversation is, yes, there's all these bots, yes, there's AI, but they're not actually replacing people. They're just making, I think, treasury jobs a lot more interesting. I mean, there are two two elements from my perspective. First element is really the process and technology element, and that's something obviously the interesting part of the treasury role, and, and that's where I'm going to focus focusing on. So it's typically in terms of cash and liquidity management, but also in terms of risk management, centralizing all these areas to the center through a system, through automation, through standard processes, but also in terms of of, of payments and collections is setting the right policies and, and the right standards also for payments and collections, be, both being supported by technology and, and by standardization. So that's the first part. And, and, and this is something I'll be, I'll be focusing on. Two Friday today has a couple of systems in place. They have Enos Cash from SAP. They have Zipco from SLG. They have a couple of other applications. So they do have a couple of applications, but, but these applications do not communicate to each other. These applications are not... Uh, being deployed worldwide, and these applications do not communicate to each other very, very well. So mm-hmm. there will be a, a focus on, on on that. The other focus is, I would say, or the other aspect of the tr- the treasury wall is basically focusing on, on corporate finance and business support aspect, yeah? w- which is still at a, I would say, a, an early stage here. So I mean, when we speak about capital structure, capital location bank relationship. So uh, this will be the area I'll be focusing on, supporting the CFOs, uh, but I'll also be focusing on not only to the external world, but also to the internal world, to the Intel world that to finance is, is enforcing this uh, consultancy and business support role. So that, that these are the, are the key area I'll be, I'll be fo- focusing side. So you have on the one hand side, I would say the process and technology side, but also on the other side is, uh, I would call them the, uh, the corporate finance and business support uh, side. And management is obviously, and leadership, as we talked about there, you've managed these various teams in these roles. You're into this new new team, as it were, and everything else. What are you like as a boss? You know, what are your, you know, we've talked about your keys to leadership success, but how do you see yourself each day? I mean, they, they, remember, they might be listening to this podcast at a later stage, but uh, what, would, what would you say is your 
you know, how do you coach those guys and how do you perhaps recruit them? What, when you're looking at people, what is it you're looking for? And maybe the first, the first word is don't be afraid of hiring someone that is, that is potentially better than you are, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that maybe the first, one of the first or key aspects when you're hiring people, you have to look at. The second aspect is, is also diversity. Do not hire people that are like you. I mean, you, your team, I mean, you're, you're stronger if you have a diversity, right, in your, in your team. So you, you have to have people that are, have different strengths, that are complementary. And, and, and the more eyes look into one aspect, to, uh, the more angles, the, the better it is. Okay, so, so I think that, that would be, from my perspective, the two, the two aspects I'll be, be focusing on. I'm looking, maybe the third one I'm looking for, Someone who, who is authentic. So don't try to to play role that you, you or play the role of a person you, you're not. Right? Be authentic. Be be yourself. That's also very very important. Obviously, we, we, when doing an interview, you, don't, you should not be focusing on your weakness. You should be focusing on your strengths. But also be it, it's okay also to admit you have some weaknesses. So be yourself with your strengths, but also with your weaknesses. I mean, they would be the, the three main area I'd be focusing on yeah. um, as, as a manager and a recruiter. And as we approach the end of today's show, as we always do, and what we will do is put Julian's uh, LinkedIn profile in the show notes. So if it's useful to be as part of his network and he feels the same, then feel free to connect with Julian on, as I say, from the show notes. But the one question I ask everyone, at the end of each show as a summary sort of point is they look back at your profile and they say, do you know what? What a great career, you know, okay. You can keep up with your music career, but you decided that treasury was right for you, which uh, and treasury is very grateful to have you. But uh, joking aside, you actually think, right, I've come up from that finance degree, come up into treasury, became the treasurer at and then became now this most recent role as group treasurer at TUV and things. Someone else says, actually, that's the sort of route I want to take. I see treasury as that being of interest. What would be the one piece of summary advice that we give to the listeners, as I said, at whatever level they might be, to say, yeah, this is what you need to do to have a, a very similar career? What would you say? I would say don't be too much pushy. Work before you run. So you should not force your career. Obviously, you, you may have a career path in your mind, but don't force it. That, that has to be natural. So you, so you need to focus on your job, care about your job, care about your, your colleagues, do a good job, deliver what you're supposed to deliver, and the opportunity will naturally come, come to you. So if, you, if you're committed, if you're curious, uh, if you engage, you see opportunity coming up. Okay, and, and when opportunity comes up, just take them. I mean, so that, that would be my advice. Don't be pushy. Don't be too rush. Opportunity will come up naturally. Excellent piece of final advice for today's show. So be curious. Take your time. It's going to come to you as well. But when it does come to you, make sure to recognize and take that opportunity. There. I think we'll put those, some of those maybe as bullet points as well. Um, Julian, it, as always, it's been great to catch up with you and Thank you very much for your time today. Look forward to, you know, hopefully catching up with you when I'm next in the in Germany or you'll maybe be passing through London. So it'd be great to see you. All that remains for me is say thank you very much for your time today. Many thanks. Thank you, Mike. It was a pleasure. 